All right, welcome back in, everybody. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, excited for this episode. We speak, and by we, I mean I, Trey Fitzgerald, and Ryan Hale, our producer here at Mountain Air Media, uh, Mountain Air Studios, I should say. Uh, We speak with the grass whisperer from Real Salt Lake, director of groundskeeping, Dan Farns. And Ryan, I think... Um, Dan doesn't understand why we wanted him on this podcast, but I think RSL fans will immediately know why. And uh, how would you characterize Dan's popularity as the grass whisperer around uh, everybody that loves Rio Tinto Stadium, uh, Zebra, and all associated RSL facilities? I think that's it. That the people that love the you know being at the stadium know that there's somebody out on the field that loves that stadium as much as they do. <laughs> the, the idea of like what it takes to to keep a facility like that running yeah. is is mind-boggling and then to have people that do it and still are smiling every time you see them and have something nice to say every time you talk to them like it's it's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. It's such a fascinating conversation hearing from Dan who's a guy that grew up in Bountiful, went to Utah State, went to Boise for a minute. Uh, became a soccer fan because his dad was watching Arsenal games on VHS when he was a kid. And, and then hearing his story about how he started with RSL mowing for nine bucks an hour uh, part time and growing that uh, career. And now he's been with the club 10 years and multiple facilities. And we get into a lot of the science and the myths uh, around uh, the fungus in the grass uh how that happens, the mowing of the stripes, the patterns, uh, the maintenance of all the fields, the water uh, pregame, and sometimes at halftime. Like it was just a, just a fun conversation, and I'm sure um, there'll be things uh, throughout the season where we'll want to have Dan back on. and And I think one of the funnest things for me, Ryan, was uh, recounting all the animal related incidents we've had uh, at Rio Tinto with uh, a cat and squirrels and uh duck and um and the birds that uh, uh that try to crash down on the field so uh we've talked about the the decoy wolves that he he and his crew have to put out at various uh green expanses to keep the canadian geese from crashing so there's snow on the ground now we don't know for how long preseason is right around the corner so this is a fun conversation let us know uh, on social or in uh, in your comments about how you feel about this appearance of the Grass Whisperer, Dan Farns. All right, welcome back in, Claret and Cobalt. We bleed Claret and Cobalt. Trey Fitzgerald here, your host. Ryan Hale, the super producer. I need to come up with a new term because I feel like I'm wearing that one out a little bit when I talk about Ryan. And so, so proud, honored uh, to have our next guest, the one, the only, Dan Farns, the executive vice president of groundskeeping for Real Salt Lake and all affiliated facilities, Rio Tinto Stadium, the Zebra out in Harriman, America First Field in Sandy. Dan, thanks for coming down and hanging out with us today. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, sorry. I, I probably didn't get your title exactly right, and and I don't even it's know what your new Twitter handle is, but yeah, uh, yeah. RTS Grounds, maybe something along those lines? Is so, that the old one? That was the old one. The new handle is uh, Dan Farnsey. Okay. With an S. So yeah. You had to people, put your name on it, right? I was. Uh, it was highly suggested that I put my name on it. That's sort of like when I used to run the RSL account and I was accused of using it as a personal account. So I had to, right. I had to get out from behind the curtain and, and Mike Pecky made me give the password to Tyler and I never had it again. So that's a whole nother podcast. We can go down that road. (laughs) Um, But dude, we're glad to have you. It's a, it's a time of year where I imagine you guys are getting super busy. We're on the eve of preseason. Utah's just had, 54 inches in 48 hours of snow or whatever. So there's a lot of places to go. But before we get into some of those specifics, just uh, 10 years now with, with Real Salt Lake, that's yeah. that's crazy. I guess take us a little bit through your path from where you grew up, how you became a soccer fan. I know you're a big Liverpool fan. 
you're a Utah State guy. That's, that's where right. all your agronomy education comes from. We'll get that's into right. some of those particulars. And then how'd you find your way into RSL? Yeah. So just like you said, I'm I'm a soccer guy through and through. So growing up, I grew up here in T- in Bountiful. Okay. Uh, Bountiful High School. Um, I, Dave Checkett's old uh, alma mater. So my dad went to school with Dave. Okay. So they're the same age. Wow. Um, they're at Bountiful High School. Um, kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, growing up, my dad played. My grandpa played. My dad would tell stories of uh, taping Reader's Digest to his shins for shin guards. Wow, okay. Like just, I'm old enough to remember the old Reader's Digest. Those just old school. Thick you know? little uh, pamphlets, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, my parents still get them. Um, but he played goalkeeper. I played goalkeeper. Kind of my claim to fame, or his claim to fame, too, is he won state championship twice. I won it twice while wow. I was at Bountiful playing goalkeeper. That's awesome. So a lot of pressure on my son. Yeah, to uh, <laughs> to keep it going, but um, no, I mean we were all about soccer growing up. My dad was an Arsenal fan. Okay, he had contacts in uh, Europe that would send him uh, VHS tapes. Very cool of Arsenal games because yeah. we didn't we couldn't get yeah. them over here. So you're watching them a week, two weeks later, or something. Yeah. Like that? So uh, his buddy Hugh would send those over to him, and we'd watch those. And me being the punk kid that i am yeah. you know one game it was a good game between arsenal and liverpool and uh you know i think liverpool won so liverpool was my team from and, from and then on. who on that liverpool vhs do, do you remember who were you drawn to do you remember that's the thing is i, I can't even remember if like ian rush was on okay. there or robbie fowler was probably yeah. on there I, I can't remember specifically but though. that sparked your fandom and then at some point you're probably scouring the the darkest corners of the right. internet right because to... we couldn't get it we could we could only get like manchester united games yeah which is why so many they're like the cowboys are... or the lakers or the yankees yeah yeah that's what i always tell I elliot mean, and dunny and those man you fans i know, I, know. <laughs> I won't get into that's a that's another podcast <laughs> also but um yeah uh growing up was great now Sometimes I hear you talking about like uh, football, baseball, basketball stuff. I I'm the guy that doesn't know anything about that. Okay, and knows soccer stuff, football stuff. Right. So that that kind of pigeonholes me to a certain focus. Yeah, not, not pigeonhole. <laughs> right, right. A focus to it. So, um, yeah, growing up playing, and then I went to my first job was mowing grass for Bountiful City. Okay, just on the mow crew there. You just go in, jump on a mower. Yeah. Drive to the different parks and that's when I fell in love with nice. being outside and and mowing. And then that led me to go to Utah State for uh parks and recreation and uh, horticulture. Okay. For a degree. Nice. Um, met my wife up there, Carly. Yeah. Uh we were next door neighbors, so it worked out. You know what's amazing to me is I feel like you you know, as a guy who didn't grow up in Utah, but Utah and BYU were in my New Mexico Lobos conference. Yeah. I grew up in Albuquerque, but the the what is it now? Almost seventeen, sixteen years that I've been in Utah. I feel like I know more people that went to Utah State right. than went to either Utah or BYU. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it's. But having been on that campus up there, I I understand like that's a true. In many ways, I guess for, as an outsider, I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying this, but it seems like it's almost a truer, traditional college experience than. U of U or BYU? Yeah, different. Yeah. Different. I think it's more of, uh, I mean, I went there because I didn't want to be home. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's it probably was why a lot of people go far there, enough right? away that yeah. you could still be kind of on your own. And if you had an emergency, you could yeah. run home. Yeah, and... come home on the weekend, get a nice home cooked meal, exactly. get your laundry done, exactly. all that fun stuff. And my mom went there uh, when she was younger. So okay. growing up, I was Utah State all the way. So, so as you kind of started in your pursuit of the horticulture and Parks and Rec degree, when did it kind of get on your radar that, man, I could I could be prepping fields for professional sports? So I didn't know anything about it when I was in school. This was 2004 to 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the, 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 uh, the jobs that were available for sports turf managers yeah. weren't really talked about, yeah. especially at Utah State. Sure. So... That's why I went into the Parks and Rec department um, of it, because I thought that I wanted to go work for 
uh, Bountiful City and, okay. and run the parks. So. Were like golf courses a big part of that stuff? So golf courses are are separate. Okay. Yeah. So if I wanted to, the thing about golf courses though is tough is you should start working in the golf course industry as soon as possible. Yeah, when you're 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Like volunteering. Be a range picker or something. Or, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I tried to get jobs in golf courses after okay. I graduated, yeah. and they just said, we need more experience. Uh, so so I, we ended up going moving to Boise, hmm. where, where Carly's from. Okay. Um, had our had our boy, Leo, there, um, and uh, worked for like a commercial landscaping business, yeah. um, taking care of downtown Boise actually learned a ton from from working for that company nice. just because you're on a such a timeline uh you it had to be the highest possible quality because mm-hmm. it was downtown everybody could see yeah. it yeah and you had to be able to clean up fast you had to be able to mow fast and you needed to know like the plants what the plants needed mm. and it had to be just like top quality and there's so. a seasonality to it all i'm sure exactly yeah. Um. Kind of a detour here. So during your time at Utah State, two thousand four, two thousand eight, and then went in Boise. When or what were the key moments during that time where RSL jumped on your radar? So back in two thousand four is when they first started talking about it. Two thousand five. Yeah. yeah. Um. I was working for Bountiful City, and that's when I heard about it. Okay. Um, and had you been an MLS fan at all, or were you familiar with the league? Yeah, so we we would watch like Gal- LA Galaxy yeah. games. Um, I remember like having Galaxy sh- okay. T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. So it, it was on the radar, but it seems like it seemed like not up until that point we didn't watch it a ton. Yeah, just I don't know if it wasn't available or or what. Yeah, so. I think you know it was MLS or it was on ESPN, Fox Soccer Channel. Um, maybe Cup would be on like ABC. Um, so I'm sure we watched like some. Yeah, final. but the league was small then because yeah. before RSL and Chivas, there was only ten teams. Right. It was twelve for a minute, and then uh, Tampa Bay and Miami went away in two thousand. Yeah, um, it really was the infancy. Were you a U.S. national team guy? Did you yeah. watch the World Cup? Up, yeah, like, for sure. End to end every every four years. Big big World Cup. My dad went to a couple games when I was here in '94. Oh, cool. yeah. Um, on the East Coast somewhere, yeah. I don't remember exactly where, but. But yeah, big awesome. into that. Eddie, big Eddie Pope fan. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because I remember, you know, when I came from the league, we had the announcement here in July of '04 that that Salt Lake would be the 12th team. I moved here in October. Um, I right after we announced the name and the colors and the logo. And what all that was stuff. your job title then? Um, like, at the league. Yeah, at the league, I was senior director of communications. Oh, okay, and then um. Basically, at that time, I was just kind of running around with Garber trying to educate and pitch people about the league because they yeah. were looking for owners. They were looking for sponsors. And whenever we went to a city, we'd do a media tour and media availability. And um, and I remember, like, I mean, one of the reasons I came to this part of the country is because my family was still in Albuquerque. My dad was going through a lot of health issues. I had been in New York for eight years, and I loved my job. Mm-hmm. But when you're at the league, like you get disconnected from the game a little bit. So like I tell people I was cheering for like attendance and TV ratings and like sponsorship deals. (laughs) And, and I wanted like wins and losses and fans and players and coaches and like, and that rooting interest. And so that was the most invigorating thing for me when I moved here. Plus like the fact that I could fly an hour to Albuquerque if my dad was in the hospital or whatever was going on, as opposed to, taking a whole day to get from New York to Albuquerque back then. Yeah. Um, so I remember thinking when I moved here, okay, like I knew who Andy Williams was. Um, I knew who Brian Dunseth was, but I felt like, okay, I didn't have a sense of Utah fans, right? Like right. who they gravitated to. But when we signed Eddie Pope or traded for Eddie Pope, I'm like, okay, I know right. people know Eddie Pope because he's a big national team guy. Obviously, Clint Mathis. So that was my other one. Okay. Was Mathis, like with the Mohawk yeah. and and everything. Um, I didn't know much about Jason Kreiss, unfortunately. Okay. But yeah, yeah but Eddie... Dallas was completely off the radar, right. even for a hardcore MLS right. fan at that But time. then you heard like his stats, and you're like, okay, yeah. this is legit. Yeah. But yeah, Eddie Pope and Mathis were, were my guys. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you're kind of following RSL from afar yeah. in um in Logan and and in Boise, and uh, how easy or difficult was it to follow the club? So up in 
up in Logan, I had season tickets from the beginning. Okay. So it was me and a couple other guys who would drive down wow. for every game. Okay. Until I moved to Boise in uh, 2008. Okay. So what was your favorite Rice Eccles memory? I remember Dunny scoring that first goal. Yeah. I was right. Our tickets were just to the west of the south goal. Okay. So we were right there. Yeah, right by that one kind of ramp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like right right up above. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. After we moved into Rio Tinto, I went to a Utah football game at Rice Eccles. And it was just such a different environment, right? Because it's it's full. The lines on the field are supposed to be there. Like there's the sight lines are just certainly for American football. And I, I remember sitting there like, oh, my God, like I've been coming here for 20 to 25 home RSL games for the last, what was it, three and a half years, five, six, seven, eight, actually four, almost four full seasons. And it just didn't seem like home, which was such a strange, right. eerie you could feeling. See, you could see the paint still. Yeah. And but it was, never, it was never weird. RSL's home, right? right? Like we would come in on a Saturday you'd build up all the the sponsor signage and the and the soccer celebration and and that's where Kimball and Brooke Bingham and Todd Titus were our sponsorship group Spence Checkets was with us at right. that time like it was such a labor of love like every saturday it's like we're moving into Rice Eccles and we're moving out you know um that's really cool that you guys would make that trek yeah. pretty regularly yeah we i had to uh just uh, growing up with the sport and then finally it's here yeah and then you moved to Boise. Yeah. And, I mean, were you able to get games on TV at all in Boise? Every once in a while, we'd catch okay. one. Yeah. Um, and, and every once in a while, we'd head down yeah. and, and watch. What's that games. drive? It's four hours. That's not bad. Four and a half. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you grew up in the West. Right. You know, <laughs> four hours is nothing. The drive Ten hours is a is, longer drive. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and luckily, my wife is cool and she, <laughs> she, she became a fan also. I was going to say, she became a fan because of you? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we watched the final in 2009 at my in-laws house. Okay. And, you know, I ran out in the street and everybody's looking at me. What <laughs> like, what is and, this crazy guy yeah, doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, when, what was your first experience at Rio Tinto? So when I, so the very first was when I got my season tickets. Okay. Uh, Brent Stevens yeah. actually sold them to me. Nice. Um, you know, we were in Sandy. And they were at Ardell Brown right. the offices. Yeah, yeah. We had the mock suite yeah, built up. Yeah, yeah. Which is my office now. No way. Yeah. Okay. So kind of cool. That is cool. Um, he has it been updated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. awesome. It's an awesome office. I just asked him like, "Hey, can we just go take a look at the grass?" And he said, "Yeah, let's go." And he actually walked us down, and I went in the northwest corner, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Yeah, come down and take a look." And I and so remember, they had already put the grass in yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, so... Because that was one of the coolest things for me when we were building the stadium is, like, the first chair going in, which is section, I think, seven over in that southeast corner. Yeah. You know, and and back then, we did a lot of stuff that was, like, made for the media. So it's like, you tell the TV crews, be here at 1045, and then, you know, I'm working with Mike Steele, who was, like, the... Became the GM, but at the time, he was, like... And I don't know enough construction terminology, but he's kind of, like owner's representative and then you had the icon group and you had all these and it was just such an experience for me because like the steel topping off ceremony but i remember i remember the first trucks full of uh the sod coming in and those guys laying that down and just really getting into the science of it all yeah for um you know everything from how the pitch was leveled like there was no crown like we had a big crown at Zango, at the training oh field, gosh. we had a big crown at at, at Rice Eccles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there actually wasn't someone in my position there at the correct. time. Correct. Uh, Nick, my old boss, came. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Takas. Nick came in. I'm not actually sure when he when he first started, but yeah, I mean, he probably started just maybe eight at some point. Yeah, I a few think. months before. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I've forgotten about Nick. Yeah, so that and so he hired you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Nick hired me. What year was that? That was 2011, February of 11. Okay. So my first game was uh, Champions League Columbus oh, Crew. Wow. Yeah, the February game. Was it 4-1, I think? I think, we, I think it was 4-0. Oh, okay. Andy Williams had an incredible right. looping like 40-yard free kick at the end for right. the fourth goal. 
I actually don't remember the other goals in that game, but I remember it was the second yeah. leg of a 0-0 in Columbus. I think Borcher's got a red card. Um, I remember the field in Columbus, and this was in February, uh, February something, and then I think the return leg was like March 3rd or 4th. And I'm sure our field was rough too because it was so rough. Yeah, it was, but it was so much better in Columbus. Columbus was like playing on a sheet of ice that really? day. Yeah. Um, wow, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So just going in the stadium, like I'd been a fan, obviously. And that means but, your second game was probably Saprisa. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like we moved our MLS game, or we might have had the opener, and then we moved like a Philadelphia MLS game. Okay. Because of that CONCACAF run. Yeah. Yeah. And that, Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> and then the final. Yeah. Which was. Uh, yeah. I, I was standing like right behind, you know, that famous picture of Beckerman, like consoling. Yeah, Sabo. Yeah. I was like right behind those guys. Just on the field, like it just <sighs> it just crushes me to see Kyle in a suit. Yeah, you know yeah. that day because if he would have been there, it's such a BS yellow that right. he got. Um, yeah. And the Jair Marufo is who I blame for all of all of that. Um, That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that is. Uh, so backing up just a second. Yeah. So your first time at Rio Tinto, or your first fan experience at Rio Tinto, that like still sticks out before, and then what planted yeah. the seed for you to reach out to Nick or whatever and say, Hey, I want to come work for you guys. Yeah. So my, I remember that all-star game. Yeah. With uh, oh, against, nine against Everton. Yeah. Wore my Liverpool Jersey. Okay. Got some side looks from <laughs> some Everton fans, but that was great. Do you remember, um, you know what my memory of that all-star game is? That? As uh, you know, Tim Howard in the PKs afterward, it was a big deal. And then, yeah. and this is Dave Checkett's. He always liked to kind of poke the bear. And when we were building the stadium, I remember there was a Salt Lake City Council meeting where he's talking about building a like a retractable roof, and that dominated like <laughs> the Salt Lake Tribune has, and it would have like tripled the cost of the stadium. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But um, you know that was that put us on a one above the full big glossy pictures and all that kind of stuff. Right. But after that All Star game against Everton, I remember he came out and said maybe all uh, MLS ties should be settled by a shootout immediately after you know ninety minutes right. of regulation, and you know. I've often said the American sports fan in me that I need an emotional resolution <laughs> after games. Right. And and we all know in the soccer world there's ties that feel like wins and ties that feel like losses, but it's still it's a tie. Like and so ties I was away like, from home I was like, give me yeah. the give me the I'd rather lose than than have a unsatisfying tie. But right. I'm crazy. So right. Anyway, <laughs> I love Dave for for I mean that that extended people around the league and probably the world yeah. talking about what had just transpired at Rio Tinto that all-star right. game. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then, you know, Olave scoring that first goal. <sighs> yeah. we He ran, he ran to the corner where our, our, our seats were. I was going to say, so you must have been then in the north, um, east, oh. northwest corner-ish? Northwest corner, section 25. Okay. Uh, nice. Row J. Yeah. Yeah, my parents still have seats there. Oh, cool. Um, That's a great great place to be yeah right next and to section Alave, 26 like and... him running there and the confetti right. and that was our season ticket commercial for 10 for 10 for nine right was just a little slow motion i can still hear the music in my yeah. head um <laughs> uh, what a magical moment yeah yeah so cool what about the playoff games that year um you know because i think we beat chivas right and then we uh at 08 we beat Chivas. Yeah, it was 08. We beat Chivas. Yeah, it was another, like, our first yep. playoff win. Yeah, and it was like yeah. a, I think it might have been a Saturday afternoon, a Halloween weekend. We okay. only had, like, 11,000 people there. Right. Um, And then uh, and then losing uh, to the Red Bulls. I just remember, like, disappointment and yeah. hating the Red Bulls back yeah. then because it seems like they'd always come in and beat us. Yeah, but yeah. Dave Vandenberg. It was just so, <laughs> right. It was just so awesome, though, to be there mm-hmm. because I was part of that Section 26 um, supporter group. Okay, cool. Back at Rice Eccles. I wouldn't say that I helped what were start they called it or Rice anything. Eccles? Just same thing, Section okay. 26. Okay. Yeah, cool. same spot. Um, but I had some really good friends there. I still do. Yeah. Yeah, so the, look, shout out. Did to you ever guys. carry the flag out before or after the game? No. You weren't one of those guys? I so how'd you, how'd you connect with Nick? So uh, after Boise... Uh, we decided to move to Vegas. Okay. Vegas for a summer. I did like the pest control thing. Okay. Which sucked. Hated yeah. it down there. Uh, and then a part, uh, a full time job opened up in St. George, mm. Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. So I thought, oh, okay, cool. 
yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, Carly had family, family there in St. George. So we, we moved up there. Uh, they promptly fired me after about three months. Okay. Um, I was just kind of a kid right out of college. Yeah. Lots of new ideas. Yeah. I think I had. Greasy wheel. I think I had. <laughs> I had taken somebody else's position uh-huh. who had probably rightfully. Okay. Uh, uh, been in that position. And uh, yeah, they cut me loose. Uh, I, I went home that day, started looking at Craigslist mm. and saw a part-time position, Rio Tinto Stadium grounds crew. Okay. Got on the phone with, with Nick, sent in my resume, and after maybe a month, uh, they, he hired me on. Nice. Hourly employee. Okay. Nine bucks an hour. Wow. So we moved back up, up to Bountiful or Kaysville, uh, lived with my grandma for a little bit. Okay. And then, wow. Yeah, that's how it started. Now, when you were talking with Nick, did you did you have to get face-to-face with like Hans Niska and Mike Steele? And- <laughs> I did, and I, I just had some phone conversations with Nick. Okay. But I got to know Hans and Mike yeah, sure. pretty pretty well. Yeah, those that. are the guys I think of, you know, kind of in those days of us moving in the stadium, trying to figure out where where right. the offices were right. going to be, trying to figure out, you know, the team movements and how you're going to get guys in and out. Um, and when did AFF open? Was it 10? Was it open when you came up here? No. Okay. So I think it was 11. I think you're right. I think yeah. it was 11. I think we still trained at Zango in, in 10. That was... Which was always, oh my gosh. you know, <laughs> one of the, my first experience at Zango was it had snowed. Okay. Um, and Jason wanted to train, of course. obviously. <laughs> so we took a bunch a of shovels out there. he didn't learn before MLS Cup 2013 in yeah. Kansas City, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, so like one of my first days, that first week, uh, we loaded up, we filled the truck up with shovels mm. and drove out to Zango. Okay. And Jason was the first one to grab a shovel. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I'm going to help you guys. Let's do this. So we hand shoveled the field. Wow. You didn't have a Toro uh, snowplow no. yet by then? No, we didn't. <laughs> and the and the stuff that we had to plow snow, we couldn't get it down there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, we would, when that would happen, we would, we would shovel half of the field. Mm-hmm. They would use that half of the field and then we'd continue to work on the, okay. on the other side. Right. Yeah. So, Let's talk for a minute because it's timely about snow. And I don't know if it was you or Nick, but I remember back in the day, somebody explained to me that the snow actually kind of acts as a as a blanket. Yeah. Of the, uh, you know, and it actually helps kind of promote healthy sure. grass, which yeah. is counterintuitive, I think, probably for most people. Right. Eventually, and I don't know what year, eventually you guys were able to get a big ass grow tarp, right. it's a technical term, right. big ass, uh, that covered the field that kind of, I think, helped. Yeah. Because I remember during the CONCACAF, we turned on the sub-air and it, it actually burned Mid-field. the pattern yeah. into the field a little bit. And I remember Garber being upset that, you know, and I don't know which series it was, if it was Saprissa or Monterey, the field looked a little, a little, you could see the discoloration, I guess, right. from essentially the sub-air system, which is the underground Yeah. Uh, it can be heating or is it always heating? Um, or can three you... different functions. Okay. Heat, um, and then it can run pressure as well. Okay. So, and what does the pressure do? Move water out? It, uh, or suck water out? So down? instead of blowing hot air, it'll okay. just blow air up okay. of the temperature of the, of the ground underneath. I see. And then it also has opposite function of a vacuum system. I see. Okay. So. Um, for some reason, I thought I thought you could oxygenate the root system through that too. It is that's that's sort of what the pressure okay. is is for. It's not super effective because of your point where, and that picture is burned into my memory <laughs> because it was that season ticket holder gift, right? With of the, the picture red, with the red and white, right. or the red and blue, like um, yeah, the stre- ribbons, the ribbons, yeah, yeah kind of yeah. the uh, streamers, whatever. So. And we still have boxes of those pictures. Really? So every time I see them. I might one, need to come by and get one because okay. I, I think one's been misplaced in okay. all my moves lately. But but yeah, exactly right. You have to be really careful with it or it'll burn on that main mm, trunk, which okay. is what you see on that picture. I see. Yeah. It's fascinating. Because I, I remember like when we were building the stadium, that was a big deal to have a sub-air system. Because Expensive. Sub-air yeah. is the brand that everybody knows like it sucks the water out of the greens at the Masters. Right. You know? That was the extent of my agronomy knowledge before I used to, to start know. hanging out with you. <laughs> um, 
So getting kind of back to the snow and the and then even the uh, what's a, the the tarp, I guess help educate the listeners a little bit about those being some of the tools you use to maybe trick the grass into uh, right. avoiding dormancy during certain times of year because the MLS season is a 10 month season. Right. Yeah. We couldn't do what we do without the grow tarps. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, the way the grow tarps work is it's a transparent woven material. So if you look really close at it, it's small strips of, uh, you know, see-through material, okay. plastic. Yeah. So you put those down on the grass and it acts as kind of a greenhouse. Okay. So it allows sunlight in and it allows water in. Okay. But it keeps the heat in. I see. So it's used, we use it October till the end of the season and we'll use it this year with a later start, probably March till April. Okay. And it just helps warm the soil up. Soil needs to be mid fifties mm -hmm. for roots to grow, grass okay. to grow. In fact, we were growing grass a, a week ago yeah. before this big storm. Hit. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So when the snow comes down, just like you said, I would rather have six inches of snow out on the field. And With versus, no grow tarp. Right. Okay. Um, during the off season. Yeah. Because just like you said, it insulates the grass. The grass isn't kind of tricked to thinking that it's still growing. It goes fully dormant. And then we use those grow tarps to, to bring it out of dormancy mm -hmm. because uh, a normal lawn would right. probably come out of dormancy on its own in April, May, okay. depending on the weather. Yeah. So essential, those grow tarps are just... And then how necessary is it to let the grass grow dormant and what is the minimum amount of time that, that you will prefer that to happen? Is it six weeks is the minimum or you try I, to go longer? I don't think there's really a set time okay. that we have to have yeah. it go dormant. And obviously the way we apply it in Sandy is probably unique than if we were at a different altitude or different soil different i mean we're the right. high desert right? right yeah so it'll it'll go dormant either way just because of our temperatures mm -hmm. so those soil temperatures okay. if they drop below that yeah. 55 degrees it's so going if, dormant no if, matter if what we're at the equator it would never go dormant right yeah. okay so in the type of grass that we use the kentucky bluegrass okay it's it, it's meant to do that it's meant to go dormant so it would take a lot more energy and, and time for us to keep it growing throughout the cold season. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it would be possible. So I don't know if you and I have ever had this conversation, but when we were building the stadium, it was just a few years after the Denver Broncos had built their new stadium yeah. up in, uh, in Denver. It used to be called Invesco. I don't actually, I think it's Sports Authority. Whoever they sponsor, uh, sponsors that field keeps going uh, bankrupt lately. Oh. I don't know if that's reflective of the Broncos' uh, fates lately anyway, but... I, I wanted us to get the DD Grassmaster system uh, in Rio Tinto, which is there is one artificial, baby, uh, basically, blade of grass or fiber for every three natural fibers because right. it's extremely resilient. And, and they actually use more advanced versions of that now over in places like in Western Europe where it just rains That's nine so. months yeah. a year, right? Yep. So in the Netherlands and Belgium and some of that low country, I guess. But um, I was told that that DD Grassmaster, if you went, you know, 120 yards long by 80 yards wide at, at Rio Tinto, would cost about four and a half times what what our field uh, budget was. But right. there there have been certain nights out there at Rio Tinto where the either the field got <laughs> waterlogged or you know we had like the big snow game against yep. Vancouver a couple of years ago when right. Luis Silva's throwing snowballs yeah. out there. Um, <laughs> Where I where I often think, man, a DD Grassmaster would have uh, yeah would have been different, would yeah. have helped. But that's do you let yourself go there and and because I know you go to conferences, and yeah. You're up on technology and stuff, and if you know money was no object, oh uh, can you imagine what you would be able to do? It'd be it'd be grow lights. It would be. I was going to ask about grow yeah. lights because you know, and I was going to ask if you think it's is it a good thing that. The roof at Rio Tinto was engineered and built in such a way that you don't need them the way they do at Kansas City, Austin, at Red Bulls. Oh, yeah. Austin had to use. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, because the, that's got to be massively expensive on a number of levels and yeah, powering them and, and just difficult them. to manage because it's it's very visible and it's, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like a, 
a mistake if you have to use those. Yeah, it's so that's very tech forward of you to be thinking about the it's yeah. called a Deso system. Okay. Right now Deso and then Sysis has a different one. And you're right. Uh, I can't find people's contacts on my iPhone, but yeah. you know, I'm very tech forward when there it comes to grass. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the ultimate. So every team in the like the Premier League yeah. in La Liga, um, and they use Bundesliga. grow lights for like the whole field, right? right? Because even if it's not covered by a roof, they don't get sunlight for exactly weeks on end. Those massive stadiums over there, um, with the roof, exactly. Yeah. They, they just have shade issues, and we're super lucky here to not have any. Sa- what do you think issues. about the tray system? Like Arizona Cardinals, I think we're the first one to have it here, and then Tottenham has it over there Very in the cool. new. Yeah, is it Emirates Stadium? Um, oh, I it's probably don't not Emirates. That's Arsenal, right? Arsenal. Sorry, I'm showing my EPL uh, ignorance. Shoot, I I knew the name if you wouldn't have asked Etihad. me. But, okay. No, that's Man that's City. City. Sorry, yeah. whatever the new Tottenham Stadium is <laughs> right. that's in the that's in the middle of London. Yeah, yeah. I think they have when they had the American football, the NFL game there last year. They actually have two fields. Right. And they can they live like on top of each other. One's for soccer, and one's for whatever other rugby right. or American football. But they're both on this movable track tray system where yeah. they can basically go back outside and so be maintained. Cool. Yeah, you know, Raiders and, have the same thing. Yeah, the Raiders yeah. have it in Vegas now. Like that'd be pretty awesome. That'd be so Not cool. necessary here. It's probably right. a lot more trouble than it's worth. And there's probably a lot of things. Yeah. That if we if we had a, a laundry list of things to do at Rio Tinto Stadium, that probably yeah. wouldn't be in the top ten. Yeah, and the Tottenham one is interesting too because they have grow lights built in when it's stored underneath. Ah, uh, there's okay. grow lights on top of the grass, yeah. so it's it's constantly growing. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos or some of the pictures. Of those grow lights, like yeah. they're only a few inches above the grass. It's right. crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you I geek mean, out on all the science oh, behind yeah. that, like the water, the the soil, the yeah. light? Yeah, and 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 like you said, if I if money wasn't an object, right. we we would have grow lights for sure. So, what's the hardest thing about altitude in the high desert of Utah? Because I've lived most of my life at altitude, either in Albuquerque or Denver or here, but I don't believe Denver or Albuquerque are considered high desert, mm-hmm. although Albuquerque is way browner than Salt Lake is yeah. in the in the dead of summer and, and other times of the year. So I guess when you're talking about the science behind what you do, I mean, do you is it even so different that you have to treat Rio Tinto differently than Zebra and Harriman than AFF because of the clay in the soil and the soil yeah. content and stuff like that. Um, AFF and the stadium were built to right. to kind of mirror each other. Right. Not in every way. There's not a sub sub air system. Right. AFF. Um, Harriman's a different story. Okay. Just because it wasn't built. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't built how maybe how I wanted it to be built. But anyway. That's a different part. Yeah, but there's right there. <laughs> there's a beautiful there's beautiful grass directly yeah, yeah. north of that where the wind took all the exactly. all the seed originally in Harriman, but that yeah. is another podcast. <laughs> um it's it, the way the field is built is there's a gravel layer, mm. there's a sand layer, and then there's the turf. Okay. So you might have seen it when it was first going yeah. in, how they're they're building it. Sure. So there's ten to twelve inches of sand. Um, the reason there's that much sand is we want the roots to go down that far. Oh, okay. So, um, AFF and the stadium are built sand based. So it's a completely different, um, maintenance schedule, I guess you could call it versus Harriman. Now the biggest issues that we have is weather. Cold weather Mm -hmm. is our, is the, is the worst. So that's a good segue to, to where I think I want to go next. And hopefully what the listeners want to hear is, you know, like, like last week or this week when the snow when the snowstorms come in and you get a text from Jason or Mike or now Freddie at 6 a.m. <laughs> trying right. to change the <laughs> schedule or create an emergency yeah. kind of action plan for you and your staff walk us through that like you know how that works and yeah. that, and that that kind of collaboration that you have with the tech staff yeah. on on player safety issues field Safety issues. I'm, I'm sure you have to be in a position to sometimes tell the coaches what they don't want to hear so that everything is what they want three days from now on right. Saturday for the national TV game. Right. It's an interesting, Trey, it's an interesting relationship. Mm. Um, because, yeah, we, we are trying to make a surface that's um, as, as playable as possible. 
premium ball roll is what we're always talking yeah. about. If I'm watching a game, I'm watching the ball roll. Yeah. Um, uh, along with the game itself, obviously, but it, it's a weird relationship because they want to get on grass all day, every day, yeah, no matter. Sure. And I have to. I am the only advocate <laughs> for the field, right? So the coaches are we're all different. Jason, like you said, yes, sir. Yeah, we'll, we'll go shovel. We'll we'll. He do thought this. he knew. Yeah, and maybe he did ninety percent of the time. Yeah, but he he. And you know this, he was, he was Jason. Yeah, yeah. So you said, coach, y- well, you got it. And I've said this before, but like I had to figure out a way to work with Jason to say, this is what we need to accomplish in this area, whether, you know, it's PR, marketing, or right. media, or whatever, video. But I need you, I need your buy-in. So right. you tell me what you need, and we'll figure out how to get from A to Z yeah. together. But, you know, and Jason was... At the time I was around him a lot, he was a new coach, right? He's learning a lot of lessons. All this stuff with the field with you guys was new as well, right? right. So you're all finding out together. Exactly. And they're so superstitious. Mm. Like that's a that's the X factor, right? I remember in <laughs> in thirteen, the the uh, what was it? It was the game before the final where they were at home. And so the semi against Portland, maybe? I think so. Yeah. And the game before that, whatever game that was, I don't remember, the benches were set in a certain way. Mm, I do remember this. And 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 they weren't supposed to be. Something happened where... Well, was it the the Open Cup final maybe had different parameters maybe. for the benches than, than MLS? Because I remember the benches were like super close and then they're super far. Right. There was a game where Jason sat at the far end of the bench because he didn't want to deal with Alan Chapman yeah, yeah. as the fourth official. <laughs> so you could see where the benches were, and we set up the benches before the games. This is before, <laughs> right. before the permanent ones. And it was an inch off. And he calls me out there, and he's like, what are what you are doing? You doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, coach? An inch? So we moved him. Wow. So we moved him. But, but that was Jason. I mean, yeah. Uh, he was, I mean, you can't say enough. Right. I mean, you think back to that team, you think back to him, and you're just like, okay. Yeah. We had it. Sure. You know? um, and I don't, I'm not saying that to, to diss on any of the other coaches. It was just different. Well, everybody's got their their idiosyncrasies. Right. Right. I mean, when Kassar started, we had a certain relationship. Yeah. Because he had been with the team. He had been sure. with Jason. And, yeah. and it was a little different in finding out uh, the things that he was more worried about. Mm-hmm. And then when Pecky came in, d- different thing. Yeah. I, I hardly ever talked to him. Yeah. Um, it was, it was going through, it was going through Freddie. Cause I already had an, uh, yeah. had a relationship with Freddie from right. the Monarchs. Okay. And then now with Freddie is, 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 is easier, I guess you could say, because we have a, a different yeah. relationship. What is, um, what does Freddie obsess about or think about or about the field, the grass, the roll, the water before yeah, the game? The I know water. I know some of this stuff is is regulated by MLS. Right. And, you know, you and I in our different roles have always gotten these questions like, why yeah. are the sprinklers on? What are they doing? And certainly for new fans, when they see that the first time on TV or in person, they're freaking out. Number right? one question I always get, why yeah. do we water before the game? And, and it quickens the field, right? Yeah, and it's it's something the coaches want. It is unofficially something that the league has Mm -hmm. us do Mm -hmm. but it's based off of the coach Mm. how long we do it for it's usually just one rotation yeah and you do it again at halftime during certain times of the year right we we don't do it at halftime okay because we had so many different things programmed at halftime like the little kids coming and playing okay but we'll we'll do it an hour before kick and then right before right uh after warm-ups as well okay and just like you said it's is it different for national tv game it they used to be right I think they cater to us doing that. Okay. So, um, what about what about grass length? There do you isn't... have do you have a range or is it all regulated now? Because for a long time in MLS, I mean, Bruce Arena was famous for this. Like he would literally change the width of the field at at um, at StubHub or whatever. Why can't I not <laughs> like these sponsor names of some of these buildings keep changing? Yeah. Home Depot Center is what I still always yeah. want to call it yeah. down there in LA, but. I remember um, when RSL got good, 
And we would go in there, and you know, when Jason was playing the diamond, Bruce would would get that field out to the max, which was eighty yards. Yeah, because it would open up the game, and then Kyle and Will and Bama and Javi or whoever couldn't. Yeah, would get stretched out. So um, I know those days. Those days are. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was ten years ago, and that seems like wild, wild west. Right. MLS. Right. Right. And there's still not set regulations for that stuff. Um, I'm actually part of the groundskeepers uh, group. Nice. Who are trying to get some set standards mm-hmm. for it? It's also tough because we have some artificial. Yeah, fields, sure. But there isn't a set length that they want us to okay. be at. Um, personally, I like bluegrass cut a little bit shorter. Mm. So, so, so we range between three quarters and an inch. Okay. Of of uh, length is of bluegrass. Blade. Do you think the preferred type? For our climate here and for yeah. Rio Tinto, yeah, for sure. I don't know what other options are. I mean, I, I, I've gotten into golf a lot lately, so mm-hmm. I hear people talk about Kakuya and Poa Anna, yeah. and um, I guess speaking of Poa Anna, right? Every time you've had a fungus issue at Rio Tinto, which is basically the splotches of discoloration, it usually comes from a seed that on somebody's boots that weren't washed or cared for appropriately, or a referee or somebody, right? From you, probably one of the California um, venues, right? Is that so? Poa is interesting, and yeah, it is. It is those like neon green spots that you see yeah. in the field sometimes. Every that you every used field to get abused on Twitter for unfortunately, yeah, I still do. <laughs> um, it, if only every... Luke Mulholland would wash his boots once right. in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a scourge, man. Every every field has it. Yeah, no matter what anybody says. And is it? Sorry for my ignorance. Can, I mean, does it happen going the other way? Like if somebody plays on our field and they go to, I don't even know who's got, it seems like everybody's got artificial fields, but like if they go to, I was going to say Nashville, that's a bad example. But if they go to one of the other venues, Mm -hmm. can that happen going the other way where, and not that I know how much seed or fertilizer or whatever other treatments you guys have on the field here. So it's actually it's not a fungus. It's okay. it's actually just a, a different variety of, of bluegrass. And it, and it just get gets mixed in. So it, it comes in on other players' boots. Yeah. Uh we have a problem down at AFF uh okay. with POA. Um and then yeah, it's it, it just spreads really fast. And the issue with it is is you can see it on TV, mm-hmm. which which is bad. Sure. And the root system that it grows is really shallow. Oh, so if if a player was to cut really hard on bluegrass, yeah, uh, the grass gives a little bit, yeah, um, but they can continue. But it allows that stuff, whatever the foreign substance is, it gets in there and it can grow quickly because it doesn't need much. Grows super fast. It loves being cut short, and uh, yeah, once you get it in, it's it's really difficult to to get out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's our biggest battle. Is, okay. is with that and it, it's not a huge it's not a huge it doesn't affect play as much yeah. as it is just a visual yeah yeah an eyesore type of a yeah. thing so um that's cool that's great education let's talk you mentioned you mentioned aff and one of my favorite things at aff is when i used to get a random phone call from somebody driving down <laughs> Ten thousand south by yeah. Sandy City Hall, be like, "There's a wolf, yeah, in the middle of the field," and That's I think best. it was Carlos Acevedo <laughs> told me his name was Ramon, right? And um, so basically, the story is you guys during parts of the year, probably the off season. To keep birds off the field, the geese, you had to the Canadian geese. the Canadian geese. So that's whatever, probably a late fall, early winter exactly. type issue. Exactly. And you guys had to go down to Sportsman's Warehouse and yeah. get some of these uh, like a decoy. Or yeah, decoys. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, uh, to keep the birds. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there are these specific uh, coyote or wolf decoys. Okay. That sit on a post, and then they have a fake tail on yeah. the back, and the wind can move it. Okay. So. When there's not snow on the field, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell it's a decoy. But yeah. if there's a little bit of snow, yeah, it looks like there's looks... a dog or now, something. Now, do you out use there. those at Rio Tinto or yeah. in Harriman as well? Yeah, not so much in Harriman. Um, it's not on the geese pattern. No, no, but <laughs> it's on the flight pattern. <laughs> or they just but, don't want to stare into the sun for I the guess. first seventy-five minutes of I a guess. game. <laughs> so they, unfortunately, for Sandy City, they they the geese fly over AFF right. and they go land and. 
in that big uh, kind of. Oh, I know where you're talking about the um, median, right between yeah, yeah. the two. Yeah. Just on the west side of the mall, right. heading towards the. Okay. So they go there and they can stay there. Now, they're... how do you feel about the fake Ramon Wolf, which Lobo absolutely hates, by the way? Scary. Um, we should probably reintroduce them now that <laughs> now we're back in Utah. Right. Um, you've had some other animal incidents oh at Rio Tinto. You had the cat. Um, responsible for the demise of the Pecky regime, I guess. And then you had um, the, the, the duck. duck. The duck. Where did the duck come from? Did you ever figure that out? So there's a, there's a canal. Does the duck, Albert, Albert, Roos Quack, Quack. <laughs> still has a Twitter account. Yeah. yeah we... <laughs> Sorry, I'm, all these memories are, are flashing back and I'm, that was the that was one of those top five craziest thing that's ever that's ever happened. National TV, right? Right. It's galaxy, always these national TV against games. the galaxy. Uh, we so I sit on the north side, on the sidewalk there around the yeah. field. Uh, that's what we do during games: is two guys on each end in case, yep. whatever the the nets break or the corner yeah. flags break. And then at halftime, you guys kind of pat down the right. the rips or whatever. Yeah, we just walk out there and see. Yeah. So. We think that this duck came from the canal, which is on the east side of the stadium, like the southeast side. Oh, yeah. Um, Through the tailgate lot? Yeah. A little, yeah. little uh, beer fest yeah. on, on the way into the game? So he, or she, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, we, we were just kind of looking up, and we were like, okay, there's something flying in. It's pretty low. Okay. And then it starts <laughs> to circle, and it was me and I think Brett, Brett call. Yeah, sure. Um, we're up there and we're just like, oh no. What if it lands on the field? <laughs> we said. And this is like the seventieth minute of a game. Landing, right? man, against a galaxy packed house. Yeah. So we run to midfield, it lands right by Petkey. And we're right behind him and he looks back at us. He's like, What the What? What are we gonna do? What's the protocol? Yeah. We have no idea. Yeah. And I look at the fourth official and he's he's going, What yeah. I don't know. So the ball goes out of play, and we run out there. In front. Is this 2017 or 18? Oh. I don't know. All the years blur together. I don't, I can't remember. Yeah, it's all right. Sorry to uh, So we run out there, and of course he can't catch it. Yeah. It's super fast. So we end up corralling it down to that southwest corner. Yeah. And I'm yelling at my guys who are just laughing at me and Brett on the side. <laughs> like, are you going to help us? Get your butts out here. Yeah. And so we got it cornered. Albert almost grabbed it. Okay. And uh, it went behind the field boards. Brett, luckily, like I jumped over to block it, and Brett came and, and grabbed it. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture of Brett yeah. in the corner with yeah. it. And then what about the cat? Where did that come from? So we have cats at the stadium. Right, to kind of mice and other Not on small purpose. Birds. Not on purpose. Right, but, but, they're, but they're, they're fine and stuff. Exactly. So they keep the mice... Okay. Down, yeah. which we used to have a problem with. I'm not sure where they really come from. It might Lobo be... ate a baby mouse coming out of the snow pack the other day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good hunter. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he loved it. I'm like, you're going to throw up in the middle of the night, right. and it's going to be my problem. Right. Sorry so, to digress. No. Excuse me. And uh, it came out from nowhere. I mean, we knew the cats were around, but they've never been out with that, with that many people yeah. around. But it just came from that, the away bench. Hmm. And we were up somewhere, I think, fixing a seat in one of the suites. Okay. And we looked down, <laughs> and all of us just looked at each other, and we just yeah. booked it, you know, yeah. down to the field. Not, I mean, how are we going to catch the thing? Um, But after the duck incident, hmm. we did go buy, like, some big... Big nets. Poles yeah. with nets on them. Okay, dog catcher. Yeah, and we have this whole yeah. thing that we're going to do if it ever happens again, but... Yeah, like just a, really like a random. choreograph thing. Well, like, like the seventh inning at uh, you and I went to a Red Sox game together. Yeah, once. that was that a was great fun. trip, man. Yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, those uh, some of those things that the baseball crews and they've got a little more time on their hands yeah, than yeah. I imagine yeah. you and your guys do usually. Yeah. A different game, but yeah, but the cat man, just the chain of events that that yeah. started yeah. was crazy. So obviously, that's a lot of good stuff, and and. You know, we're bordering on a on an hour here, but what are your what gets you out of bed in the morning, man? What 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 uh what gets you motivated to go mow uh Toro Field Five right. out at the Zions Bank <laughs> Training Center or whatever? Um, right. You know, 
it's it's the fandom yeah. obviously it's yeah. it's and i'm just like you they've they've kind of told me sometimes to put your fan hat away and yeah which i don't love i think but, it's impossible yeah um it's the guys i work with yeah it's the guys out in harriman sure. brett and Corey and and josh and blake yeah. those guys out there and then the guys at the stadium um uh dustin spencer and caleb mm. um it's working with those guys great great bunch of guys do you um, guys do you guys get together and say okay here's the mo patterns that we want to use well i or how's that process because that's that's one of the coolest things I've seen for you guys on Twitter yeah. is, and sometimes it's an hour before the game, you know, Gibbons will throw a picture up or you guys right. put something out during the week, just routine maintenance or, or you get those aerial drone shots that Delia does that are yeah. just awesome. And, uh, I mean, how much freedom do you guys have to kind of come up with some mo pattern, uh, innovation? We, uh, we have a While little teaching bit... people the offside rule. Right. <laughs> so that's the idea, right? That's. They kind of say stripes need to be this certain, uh, this wide, and supposedly between the boxes or in the boxes or is the both? whole field okay. itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's not always uniform, right? Because sometimes right. you can see it starting at the top of the eighteen, going yeah, to the middle, maybe to the other eighteen, but then it, I don't know, an alternate pattern. I like to mix. It and up. is it all just the direction of the cut yeah, and exactly. the way the blades on exactly on your mowers work? Okay. Yeah, the the mower itself has rollers on the back mm -hmm. of the of the blades that cut the grass. And you know, if if I'm driving one way, the sun shines down on it and gives mm -hmm. it a lighter color or a darker. And then color. what does cross cut mean? Cross cut is just is um, that directional again, or is it? The way the blade hits the so the the mower has it's called a real mower, mm. uh, just like golf courses use. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a blade on the bottom, and then the blade is round, so okay. it spins this way, and yeah. the, and the blades are are kind of shaped like this, like a cross. Oh, okay. So as you're driving, it's it's cutting as you go. And does that create kind of that visual yeah uh, mm -hmm. element? Okay, that helps Sweet. with that also. Right on. Um, they they do have some parameters for us. Um, I, I like to switch it up. It's, it, it's, it's fun to switch it up. Yeah. It looks better. I think if you, if you do different patterns Yeah, sure. and, uh, it doesn't affect play at all, but supposedly the, the parameters are there to help the, the refs with offside, mm. which I don't just wait till, true. just wait till they, uh, allow the sponsors to cut names and logos right. into the grass. That'll be fun for you. Right. Yeah. That'll, as a way to recoup lost COVID revenue. Right. That'll no, we're we know that's coming. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, yeah, but I I do all the mowing at the stadium. I let my okay. guys do it sometimes. Yeah, but that's I saw you were working with uh, Mary Van Mindy in the community department, um, a few months ago. Where and I don't know if you guys did this with Toro or just with the foundation or both, but uh, somebody actually won the opportunity to ride on the mower with yeah, you. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we had a little mo contest. So everybody that downloads, listens, shares this podcast, rates it. That's right. Subscribes. Yeah. They'll get a ride on the mower that's with right. you. That's, that's right. That's awesome. <laughs> Disclaimer, that's not happening. <laughs> we uh we wanted to do something during the COVID yeah. uh, to get to keep the fans kind of engaged. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it worked with Mary uh and then our sponsors Toro. That's who awesome. Were awesome. Yeah. Um they they just sent in pictures. Yeah. And then we had votes online, and then at the end, we whittled it down to like three or four. Um, I sent it out to my sports turf buddies and just the guys in the office when we voted. And oh, sweet. The guy who won came, and he got to mow the field. Yeah. Um, I gave him some pointers, and he did okay, and I fixed it the next day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I fixed it. <laughs> so um, we'll cut you loose uh, with a question or, or two more, but. What are you looking forward to most in this 2021 season um, as a fan, as an employee of the club, as uh, somebody that takes great pride in, in what they do with, yeah. with everything Real Salt Lake? I'm just, I'm stoked that we're still here. We're yeah. still, my guys, we're still fully staffed, mm -hmm. uh, fully paid. Yeah. Um, that was. You'll miss the Royals though, right? You know, it, it was cool to have the Royals here yeah. and. And it was a bummer. I love those games, man. Yeah. And and just getting to know the athletes too was yeah. um the funnest part yeah. for me. Yeah, it was I mean their games was are that, so different. Was that a big 
um, weight to juggle is having extra activity on the field? Because, you know, the rumor in Kansas City is that Peter Vermees doesn't want the NWSL team on the field. So, right. And, and I'm sure Jason or, or Pecky or, you know, guys having their druthers, they'd be like, this field is only for us right. 15, 17, 18 times a year. Right. But that's not realistic. No. And is no. it really having, you know, going from 20 to 30, does it really create that much of a burden on, on you and your guys and, and the field itself? It doesn't. We, we really try and make up for any game time that we, that we are working extra. Mm-hmm. We try to, you know, kind of make that up on a Monday or a Friday without yeah. a game. Yeah. But I think for me, it was still it was cool to have have those professionals there. You mm-hmm. could see the the U.S. women's national team players yeah, there. Sure, um, it didn't really affect us more than than just time. Um, Same thing, kind of with like practice on the stadium field the day before a game, right? Well, I know you you try to keep guys <laughs> out, keep players, teams yeah. out of the box, right? Yeah, because that's your biggest pressure point. Right, right. And yeah. is that just because? And they listen sometimes and sometimes. <laughs> well, I've seen all the different creative ways you guys try to rope that stuff off. I've sat out there yeah. before, and that's just different coaches, yeah. you know. So you're happy now that the media access is all via Zoom, right? So you right. don't have randoms <laughs> walking on the grass out there like we they've, used to. They've been okay. I mean, you guys would do like those teasing. those interviews yeah. right outside the tunnel and stuff. So it, it's such a weird relationship you know yeah because like i said before like i'm the only one really advocating for the advocating field. And, and the signs i think usually yeah i mean i tried to pay attention to this yeah 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 and it's it's just education yeah. to people who haven't been there and but is it cool for you like when you see a little kid come out to the field for the first yeah. time and get a run out there and kick a ball and yeah i mean it, we've seen it so many times with like players kids or special guests and right. kind of that stuff. I mean, I just, I think that's awesome. Happy to do it. Yeah. Happy to work with Mary, yeah. uh, to, to allow people to come down and, and take pictures or as long as their boots are clean. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm trying to think, I had one more thing I was going to ask you, like, what do you, what's your, what, what do you want to let the fans know to, to look for with you and your crew? And, and hopefully we can, at least in the back half of the season, maybe get back to normal and get, yeah. get people back in the venues and, and engaging with the team. Again. Such a different environment, you know, yeah. thinking back to that, like I said, my first game, that Columbus game where the stadium was packed versus, you know, 5,000 fans-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of eerie, right? It's just different. Yeah. yeah. And we're doing, the guys have been awesome because we've been called upon to do different things now, like we're the ball boys now. Mm. And, and helping out with different things. So, yeah, all the COVID protocols, right? To right. try to limit who is touching the things that the players touch. Yeah. And we have to wash everything. Yeah. I mean, the, from the goalposts to the corner, yeah. corner flags to the ball uh, when we're, when we're doing that. Um, so, really different setting. Kind of cool in a way, though, where you can hear what the players are saying a little bit better. Okay. So, that's been really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we saw we saw in the Champions League the other day with Barcelona, right? PK just yeah, killing yeah. people, yeah. But yeah. you don't usually get that. That was awesome. right. Um, I don't know, man. I I just hope, yeah, like everybody that kind of goes back to normal and and we can get people out again and get the stadium packed, get the sponsorship up, yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. Get back to those days. Well, dude, we love having you here. We appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing some some time and some stories and. And we'll have you back on uh, during the season because uh, cool. hopefully this team is, like you say, things get back to normal and we're we're playing maybe some open cup games and, um, you know, the rumor is that there may be another MLS team using Salt Lake City as a as a home base for all or part of the season. Who knows? Um, right. Nothing is set in stone in a COVID world apparently. So, right. Um, thanks, Dan. Give give uh, our best to everybody on your crew and. Yeah. Uh, Throw out that Twitter handle again uh, for yeah. everybody. Uh, at Dan Farnsey, that's D-A-N-F-A-R-N-S-E-Y. Nice. Follow us and or follow me, and I always post pictures of what we're well, doing. And and you're so good at you know when people ask random questions about yeah. uh, about uh, your you know what they should be doing at home, right? With their Toro equipment right, on right. their on their front lawn. Uh, no, you're great about engaging with everybody. And, yeah, I love that stuff. I mean, that's what we do. So awesome. Happy to talk about it. Yeah. 
Appreciate you, bro. Have a have a great preseason. Hopefully, the snow uh, helps when it can help and goes <laughs> away when we don't need it anymore. Hopefully, next week. Yeah, yeah. But good to see you, man. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yep. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, please do on social media at Claret Cobalt on Twitter at Claret Cobalt on Instagram. We're always up for your thoughts, a little banter, corrections and omissions, your guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories or whatever. Uh, we do also have the opportunity for you to reach out to us through the message button at anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt or via email rsltray at gmail.com. This show is produced independently by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountain Air Media, recorded at Mountain Air Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Please download, rate, share, subscribe, and provide those comments. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you very soon. <laughs>